Thank you, Mr. Shulman. Uh, just the eighth time in 144 games that the Toronto Blue Jays have been shut out. Going to be honest here, kind of conflicted. Three of five against the Rays ain't bad. But it kind of felt like a win would have been a high watermark on this season. If the Jays had have won this game, it would have been 20 games over 500. Ifs and buts were candies and nuts or something like that. Here's the deal. Tim and Friends postgame show will take you until 7.30 Eastern. All the reaction that you require from the Dome. Jamie Joe will join. BNS is in studio. Jesse Rubinoff is here as well. He's got your feedback. And also, Brady Kachuk later. Retirement of Roger Federer, the GOAT. And we'll get into that as well. But first, for those just getting in from home or school, back from work, whatever, we got you covered. Finale of a five-game series at the Rogers Center. And it was a pretty good matchup to start. Pitching-wise, Kevin Gossman versus Shane McClanahan. And before we got going, a little history. Roberto Clemente Day, and it's the first time an entire starting lineup has been composed of all Latin Americans, a nice touch from Kevin Cash. Meanwhile, Bo Bichette wearing that number 21 to honor Roberto Clemente because before the game he was recognized as the Blue Jays nominee for the Clemente Award. And Bo knows the award. He also knows a little D. Top two, Manuel Margot, ground ball, Bichette ranging to his left. That's nice. And that was about it for the chase. Three batters later, Kevin Gossman in a jam, two on. Renee Pinto cashes a run with a single. Two batters later, Yandy Diaz may have 99 problems. But I'm going to tell you, this pitch ain't one. A three-run bomb caps off a four-run frame, and the Rays are up 4 nothing. Stayed that way to the bottom of the six. Jays trying to get on the board. Two on, one out, Teoscar Hernandez goes down swinging. Next batter, Kevin Biggio. And uh, Biggio can't chickety check himself before he wrecks himself. The strikeout ends the inning. We go to seven. And in the seventh, Isak Paredes. Isak's his 19th. <laughs> seven home runs in the last four starts for Kevin Gossman, allowing five earned runs over seven innings. Jays down. 5-0, and if it felt like a frustrating day, it was a frustrating day. Visual evidence in the bottom of the eighth. Vladdy goes down swinging. Next level, not today, botch. And it kind of all felt like, I don't know. Yeah, that, that kind of sums it up. So the updated wildcard standings look like this. The Jays now... A half game up on the Rays. Three teams within that half game, as Dan Schulman mentioned. Tied with the Mariners once again. Mariners off today. The Jays have a five-game lead on the Orioles, who come to down for a three-game set starting tomorrow. As I mentioned, BNS, that's Ben Nicholson-Smith, co-host of the At The Letters podcast in studio. Just me or this one kind of, like, it felt... Almost anticlimactic, because this could have been a high watermark. Uh, absolutely. I mean, they were playing so well for most of this series, and it just felt like a long series. It was a long series. Yeah, it was five. five. I think there's a reason the Major League Baseball <laughs> schedules three and four game series most yeah. of the time. This one just kind of felt like the game that didn't need to happen for the Blue Jays, but you know, obviously it did. It counts. It, it could have been, like you said, Tim, it could have been a chance to really 
push things forward. But look, I mean, they're still 11 and four in September. This team is playing great. They're in a good spot. Yeah, they were a major league best 11 and three in September coming into this one. As mentioned, 11 and four. Uh, maybe didn't feel right for Jays fans, but it just feels right when we bring Jamie and Joe into the conversation. Jamie Campbell, Joe Siddle uh, from the Rogers Center. Welcome in, boys. And Jamie, did we just see what the Tampa Bay Ways do so well? Pitch and then just grind you. Mm, I don't know. You know why I say that is um, Joe turned to me before this game even began. And remember, before this game began, the Blue Jays had taken three of four and said, it's funny when you get a real good look at other teams, because we watch the Blue Jays every day, you do see some of their warts, right? And I think you saw a little bit of the imperfections of the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, everything came together as you just witnessed over the last three or so hours, and they handily defeated the Blue Jays 11 to nothing. But I think you saw, especially where their bullpen is concerned, you saw some avenues where you can match up quite nicely with this team. Well, and then you look at the starting pitchers, Tim, and when you got Shane McClanahan, it's against Gosman. It's a great matchup, but you know offensively you are going to be in tough. And it's great that you have Gosman going, but I felt when Yandy Diaz hit that home run in the second inning off Gosman to make it 4 to nothing. That's when my heart sank and said, uh-oh, this is going to be a tough day because, number one, you've got McClanahan. You know he's not going to be out there too long, though, because he's coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the big boys were lined up for Kevin Cash down there, and I had heard that from him yesterday. So knowing McClanahan might be on a short leash, you've got your big boys. To me, it was going to be one of those five-inning games, and Shane McClanahan won that five-inning game over Gosman. Jamie, still plenty of positives, though, over the five games. Like if we take the bird's-eye view of the entire series... Plenty to take from this series for the Jays. Well, look, you've got Bo Bichette hitting, you know, like as Buck said during the broadcast these days, like uh, Roberto Clemente. (laughs) I mean, you saw a handful of 100-mile-an-hour pitches, and one of those was taken to right field by Bichette uh, in his first at-bat of the game. The role he's on right now is just incredible. I mean, you can see the numbers in September right now. Those are off the charts good. There's no question about that. And it's funny watching the reaction, Joe, of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now, who's showing frustration, yet the guy's on a nine-game hit streak, right? <laughs> and, and it's just that the hits, though they're coming, they're not coming at these really critical times, say a couple of guys on base down by a run. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why you're seeing it from him. I hate to downplay anything Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does offensively, but I think he gets hits because he's non-human half the time what he can do in the batter's box is just what other people can't do he can take a pitch down and away and hit it 115 miles per hour for a double to right center and his swing is not i don't think mechanically sound right now compared to when he is good compared to what we saw a lot of last year in his mvp caliber season he can hit a home run to left field here that just got into the blue jays bullpen last night in what I would say is by far not his A swing. It's not his A swing. He does not have his best swing going on right now. We keep hearing that he's working on things, he's doing things, but when I look at his swing right now, it's still not the same as when we see him in a groove. Hopefully he can find it. You know, time is running out, whether he's going to this year or not, but the funny part about it is he can still do mm-hmm. a lot of damage but you see the frustration I think the frustration we're seeing from him could be a lot of things but I think a big part of it is he knows too because if people see it or if I see it or if mm-hmm. I'm looking at video breaking it down as a hitter you know when you're just not quite right and that timing's not there and you know what he's not doing and you see this sometimes he's not taking his at bats out to the field because his his play defensively at first base you know has been 
excellent most of the time, right? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I'm not going to go that far. I've, okay. I've had a couple of examples <laughs> okay. where maybe it has gone onto the field with him. But overall, yes, he's done a fine job first base. Sometimes I have trouble finding first base too, Joe. I, I understand that. Uh, <laughs> ben, also, uh, Vladdy making some news off the field today as he uh, reiterated to Hector Gomez about a possible contract extension. And I quote, I'm open to signing a long-term deal with the Blue Jays. I feel really happy playing here. I hope something can be done about it this offseason. Well, that's a huge question, obviously, for the Jays moving forward. He said similar things to Hazel May in the recent past. And I think, you know, at this point, Vladdy has three years left in arbitration. Mm -hmm. That's not a long time, you know, for a guy who's still very young in his career, of course, with the Jays. You look at those arb years, that's going to cost... I would say at least $50 million just for the arb years. Yeah. Then you get to the free agent years. There's no doubt. And I, and I know, you know, as Joe was just saying, the year has not been there for Vladdy up to his potential. And yet 134 OPS plus entering play today, that's the same as the career mark for Al Kaline, for Fred McGriff, for Prince Fielder. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you know, this is not a bad year no, that he's having. It's not a bad year at all. And we'll get to uh, a lot of feedback that we've been receiving since tweeting out that quote a little later on in this post-game show. Uh, we see stats in front of us, Jamie and Joe. But, Joe, we all know that stats are like swimsuit models. They show a lot, but they don't show everything. So on this show, we do a little thing called super stat or meaningless number. I'm going to give you a statistic. You tell me if it's a super stat or a meaningless number. Kevin Gossman gave up seven home runs in his first 24 starts with the Toronto Blue Jays. He's given up seven in his last four starts. Super stat or meaningless number? That's a super stat. That's something I'd be concerned about because he's a guy that the fastball has always been a, a thing because it, it's somewhat straight. It's, it's hittable. It gets hit. And when you're getting hit with that pitch, it's the thing is the, the splitter is so good. It's one of the best pitches in baseball, especially for a chase pitch. But we talked about the Diaz home run today in our sixth inning update. Mm-hmm. And I felt that a lot of his pitches will tend to move arm side, which means into righty. So if I'm a right-handed hitter, and anytime you're going against a great pitcher, you've got to try to give yourself the best chance. So maybe you eliminate half of the plate. So if most of his fastballs, and I say most because it's not everyone, and a lot of his splitters to righties are going to dive middle, down, and in, then you take that middle in portion of the plate, and that's where you look. You give him the other half. So if you can split the plate in half, now you're increasing your chances as a hitter. I think Diaz did that. Now, I don't know what's going through his head in the batter's box. When you're seeing all your pitches, almost all of them, middle in, you look that half of the plate. Give him the other half. If he gets you, he does. And he did freeze him on a fastball in that first at-bat. But you take your chances, and he left a splitter up in the zone. Kevin Gosman has tenure, and yet you're pointing this out late in a season as this team's trying to uh, reach the postseason again. Is that something that you can alter midseason with something as simple, say, as a move on the rubber from left to right or whatever it may be? Or is that even necessary given what he's capable of doing? Or even the style of your pitching, right? Maybe the pitch selection, maybe the location of those pitches, because we talked earlier in the season, remember when we talked about his issues with he was... Everything was up in the zone with the fastballs, and the splitters were all down. Then he started going down in the zone with the fastballs. Pitchers are adjusting all the time because hitters are adjusting all the time. Now, coming over to the new league, maybe it took American League hitters, now that came from the Giants, a little bit of time to see what he was all about. And that's, this isn't to say that they're on to him by any means, but 
You talk about a superstar or something to be concerned about? Sure, I'm sure he's concerned about it. He's given up, what, five runs each of the last two starts here? Yeah. So it has changed, and that has to be concerning, at least if it continues down the stretch here before they hit October. All right, Benny, uh, season series now 8-7 Rays, and this is kind of important, isn't it? Well, it really is. So now, going into the next weekend, where they play the Rays again, uh, four games at the Trop, um, the Jays will have to win three of those four games to take the season series from the Rays, which would be the tiebreaker for seeding if it comes to that. So basically, just win as often as you can and, and hope that you're ahead of the Rays in the win column at the end of the year. But with three teams within a half game, like it seems like we're going to go right down to the stretch, and who knows what Baltimore does because, Jamie, no rest for the weary here for the Jays. Orioles right in here for a bullpen game uh, for the Jays, and that's why we saw what we saw at the end of that game. Yes, indeed, and uh, I love the uh, shots of John Schneider having deep conversations (laughs) with Bradley Zimmer about the prospect of maybe him, as Dan and Buck so aptly stated, coming in to pitch to try and get somebody out to end this game. Um, Maybe he's asking if he can start tomorrow. You know, I was thinking the same thing, because, because before Trevor Richards came into this game, I turned to Joe and said, you know, he hasn't pitched yet in this series. The last time he pitched was in that loss in Texas, so maybe Richards is the guy to open Friday against Baltimore, and lo and behold, the guy comes in and has a whole lot of trouble getting people out. So uh, I haven't looked at Twitter lately, guys, so I don't know if they've announced who's going to open tomorrow. But uh, Not yet. one way or the other, I think you're definitely going to see Yusei Kikuchi, right, at some point for multiple innings. Without a doubt. One last one before I let you go, Joe. And Gabby Moreno in the lineup today. I don't want to piss off Alec Manoa, but any reason to worry about the hip on the big fella? Alejandro Kirk, uh, 126 games in for him. Well, yeah, certainly there's concern. He's one of your main catchers right now. Not only that, but a big offensive weapon. So I think we, you know, what we've seen from Kirk, too, remember early in the season we talked a lot, too, about how they were protecting his workload and he wasn't catching three days in a row. And it was important for them to do that because he hit that kind of wall there where they felt that he was being overworked. So then it was kind of backed off a little bit. Then Jansen got hurt, so he had to play a little bit more. Then, of course, he's hitting so well and being an yeah. all-star. Mm-hmm. He ends up catching and DHing quite a bit, so he's playing a lot. And wouldn't you know it, I know we all had a lot of fun with him running the bases the other day. Schneider did as well. But at the same time, you look at something like that, and now he's got something with the hip going on. It's always concerning. I know as a catcher, if i got an issue with my hip, that's going to be a problem back there. And it's certainly going to be a problem in the batter's box. So we can only hope that it's very minor and they're just being very precautionary. But, yeah, that would be a big blow to this team right now. The hips don't lie, Tim. You know that. <laughs> I mean, you listen to Shakira, right? Yeah, I'm a big Shakira fan, without a doubt. Uh, no rest for Shakira's hips. No rest for Alejandro Kirk. His hips and uh, no rest for the weary and the Jays and their broadcast crew. Uh, Five games in four days. We really appreciate you sticking around and doing this with us, gentlemen. Nice to see you, fellas. All right, Tim. All right, there is Jamie and Joe down at the Dome. And and must be noted, I thought it was a real classy move by Kevin Cash to start an all-Latin American starting nine on this Roberto Clemente day. 100%. Really cool to see that and see the number 21 across Mm -hmm. baseball. Maybe we'll see a day where that's retired. I think there's a great case to be made for doing that in the meantime. To see number 21 worn by Bo Bichette and and others is is great to see. Yeah, so if you were watching the highlights and didn't see the game today and wondered why the hell every one of the Rays were wearing number 21, uh, all Latin American players basically are wearing the 21 today in Bo Bichette because... He was the nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, 
was given the option on whether or not he wanted to wear 21. And, of course, if you're given the option to wear 21 on Roberto Clemente Day, you do it. We mentioned Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And the quote that caught more than a few eyes earlier today, Jesse Rubinoff, we put that out on the mm -hmm. socials. What's been the reaction to, one, Vladdy over the last little while, and two, this comment. They're very related. Uh, so Hector Gomez, as you said earlier in the show, I'm open to signing a long-term deal with the Blue Jays. I feel really happy playing here. I hope something can be done about it in the offseason was the quote from Vladdy. And then we asked, what contract would you offer Vladdy this offseason? Here are some of the responses from the friends of the show. Scott Rintoul says, as long as you send Tim McAuliffe to negotiate in his turtleneck, the deal gets done. <laughs> Good start. We're going all the way back yeah. to yesterday, yeah. right off the top here, I had here, to. It's right? too good. Uh, the right. coach GM Fine. says, no. uh, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I hope Vladdy and Manoa get signed long-term this summer. I don't care how much money it costs. There'll be a lot of that. There was a lot of that. Uh, Brad says, <laughs> this is one of my favorite gifts, obviously, uh, $1 billion. Mm -hmm. uh, Marcel, I would wait till playoffs are done. If he continues to choke in crucial situations, then pay him what he deserves. Not much. Can't pay someone big money who doesn't lead is a wannabe superstar, but can't live up to the billing. Maybe next year. Hmm. Now, it's, it's interesting, though, to note that there is no avatar on Marcel's uh, Twitter account, which mm -hmm. may give him a little bit more guts <laughs> when tweeting in something like that. Do you, like, the funny thing was, is with the first couple tweets and some of the ones that I saw pouring in, I'm like, how many of these people who are saying a billion dollars, all the money, give them what they deserve, are also ripping Vladdy? Because sometimes we see that on Twitter, right, Ben? A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's a long season. There are ups and downs to it. And I think when players struggle, we really do see uh, that criticism pour in. It's interesting, though. Like, it's going to cost a ton. And I don't even know if, if you know, the, the time to get him to a below-market deal might have passed. And same with Bo Bichette, mm -hmm. the way that Bo has been playing. You know, that, that time might have passed for him as well because he's only three years away. Yeah. This is going to be really interesting. And listen, part of that equation is Ross Stripling. And I want to get into that coming up because you've got these two young guys who still have arb control. And then what do you do with the starting rotation moving forward? Stripling was pretty good. I'm just trying to tease so that when we come back from the break, mm. you're still here with us. Ben's sticking around. Jesse's sticking around. We hope you will as well. Plenty more Jays talk on the way. We'll hear from John Schneider post-game after the break. And as always, your feedback as the Jays lose to the Rays. 11-0 is the final as they take three of five from Tampa. Tim and friends, post-game. Please stick around. It's our livelihood. Blue Jays trying to finish off this big series with the Tampa Bay Rays on a high note. Driven to left field. Diaz has launched one into the seats for a three-run homer. Shane McClanahan on the mound. He's just coming off the I.L. Strike three called. Boy, a hundred right on the outside corner. Shane McClanahan bringing it. And a fly ball to left field and deep. And it will go. That makes it five to nothing Rays. Tough day here at the ballpark for the Blue Jays. The Rays shut out the Blue Jays 11 to nothing. Not exactly the finale they wanted. Ben Nicholson-Smith, Jesse Rubinoff, and Tim McAuliffe in studio here. So the Jays dropped the finale to the Rays. Still take three out of five in the series. Kevin Gosman, not his best stuff this afternoon. Here's John Schneider with his thoughts on Gosman's outing. Yeah, I thought he had really good stuff. You know, Velo was there. Stuff was there. Um, 
tough inning um, call that could have went either way, probably to Paredes and then a homer. But um, after that, he settled in, probably just made a couple mistakes and gave us seven. You know, it's what good pitchers do. Um, and it was really just a couple of mistakes. But overall, man, he was, I thought he was really good today. Probably happens every night in every game where there's a close call that may swing the momentum one way or another. And when you're facing a really tough starter in McClanahan, um, you know, and you're down four, it's tough. So uh, you can't really bitch and complain about it too much. It's going to happen. Um, I thought the way Kevin responded was great. Gave him a few innings after that tough second inning where the Mariners went up 4 nothing. But because of it, Ben, Jays fall into a virtual tie with the Mariners. Three teams now separated by just a half game in the wild card. Do you know where you would like the Jays to finish up in that wild card? Because I'm not all that sure. It has to be one, right? I mean, Does it have to be one? I, I think it does. I think it does. Can we look at the way this breaks down before you say that? Don't you want, and listen, the Guardians lost today to the White Sox, and it's now a three-game spread. If that's the White Sox in that spot, I might agree with you, but I think I'd rather whoever wins the Central over Seattle, and I know you're talking home field. Well, exactly. Yeah, and, okay. so, and, and so I think three is preferable to two, because if you're going to be on the road anyways, you right. might as well be facing the Central team, right. which is where the, the third wild card would go. But I think, you know, not only would it mean that your home field, if you are that number one seed, but it also means you're playing well going into the into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You have a little bit of momentum. You know, finishing second is kind of that murky middle. But to me, number one is is where you want to be. Dare I say, even the second round matchup against the Yankees is better than a matchup with the Astros. I might double yeah. down on this yeah. as you get to the <laughs> AL. DS. And, and I think that's probably fair, but ultimately you're going to have to be good teams. Right. So you can't, I don't think that you can try to shy away from, okay, like we want to find the Yankees or we want to try to finesse they, our and, way And through. no team would ever say that, no, right? No they, one they would, would ever admit that they were trying to do that. But at a certain point, you just have to out-talent teams, you have to outplay teams. You mm-hmm. can't finesse your way through by finding the right matchups. And so I think home field is a great starting point, and I think if the Jays can get that, take it. But that's what we try and do on shows like this. Of course. <laughs> Finesse of course. things, have the conversation, who do you want? And have the conversation about what it would take to get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. under contract after some interesting comments. I uh, had already mentioned it to Hazel May earlier in the yep. year, but Hector Gomez with the tweet kind of restarts the fire here on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going forward. Jesse, what was the feedback like? So we asked that what contract would you offer Vladdy this offseason, and we had a couple good responses that we showed in the first block. But uh, DuPont says, line up a package with Manoa and Bichette, all the same annual, annual salary and term, let's say $35 million per for eight years. Put on the uh, GM hat there. Does that, do you, does that actually work out, Ben? No, because, and I love the concept. I love the concept, but no, because... Manoa is behind the other two in, in free agency. And I think Vlad and Bo, too, they just play different positions. They're different ages. So I, it doesn't work. Right. It's not all positive. Chris writes in and says, what would you pay a ground ball machine? Okay. <laughs> what would you say if we paid a ground ball machine who has the most hard-hit balls in Major League Baseball? Like, I think this Vladdy hate right now is going a little too far. Like, other major leaguers laugh at how hard he hits the ball. It's unbelievable. There was one ball in the double header. I want to say it was the night game. Just, just a laser down the third baseline. I think it was 108. And that's nothing for Vladdy. I mean, he's just accustomed to crushing the baseball. He does it so well. And I think, I think there's more to come. 
from, from what we've seen. And Bo Bichette and his hot streak should remind us that we can't write these guys off. <laughs> I, I thought... I thought that all the people ripping Bo a month ago would be taught the lesson, but it feels like the same people who were ripping Bo a month ago are the ones that are ripping Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now. Of all the people that you'd want to bet on, right, a 23-year-old who's done what he's done in the major leagues, who's doing what he's doing, I mean, I I think there's a great chance that he's going to be an elite hitter on any given day that he's on the field. Uh, Heading into today, he had 241 hard-hit balls. That's 95-plus mile an hour exit velos most in major league baseball second jose abreu with 226 jesse any more people that want to weigh in on yeah. this yeah yeah that's I, that, I just off your point there that has to contribute to why he's so frustrated because he's he is hitting the ball hard he's still he's hitting just the not ball getting the results hard. right that he's used to right uh similar to what ben just said uh, Dooley writes in and says dude is a beast still under 24 years of age too many fans that don't understand that most players are still in the minors at this age and he has four seasons under his belt already so Dooley would give him 10 years 35 million dollars a year sorry yes that's right 10 years, $35 million. That actually is a pretty fair estimate. There you go. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, so Dooley. we finish it with Dooley? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, there's more. Two more. <laughs> Two more. Uh, Mark says, I'd sign him this year after a, quote, down season, which I think is sound management at uh-huh. the end of the day. Uh-huh. Uh, and final one, Moose says $1 million for 99 years. Trust the Bobby Bonilla route or something like it. So that's it. Um, if he were able to go to free agency with the Arab years. Like, just fantasy world, we're not in the real world. Like, what's the number that you think it is? Is it 350 over 10 years? Is that where we're kind of in and around? Well, so he has the three Arab years, and then, you know, at that point, free agency is going to be super expensive for him. Um, Yeah, like, I think to get his attention, like, the Tatis deal that Tatis signed when he was less experienced than Vladdy is now was 340. So I I don't see how you can realistically go to Vladdy with a lot less than that. I think it has to be more. I feel like uh, 100, by the way, is also going to open the floodgates. I know we talked about that, Jesse and I, a couple days ago. I feel like he was kind of pressing for 100, and Vladdy's best when he's relaxed. I read a lot about flow state. I think I've got to send a little flow state to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He needs to hit the sporting flow state. Because when he's happy, when he's loose... He crushes, and right now you can see a little frustration in his game. All right, Benny, let's uh, let's zoom out a little bit here. What are the concerns turning down the stretch in your mind, and then if they get there into the playoffs? I, I don't know if this is a question or a concern. I think he's Jose Barrios is probably making it less of a concern, more of a question, because mm-hmm. he's pitching reasonably well right now. But that, to me, is one of the big variables as the Jays move forward. If there's one thing that could go right for this team mm-hmm. in the course of the next few weeks. I think it's Barrios continuing to do what he's been doing and proving to the Blue Jays that he is, in fact, a number two or three starter in the major leagues. And that's been an open question all year. I don't think we've answered it. That would be best-case scenario is if he can push that further in the direction of, yes, he is a reliable arm for uh-huh. you in the playoffs. I'm, uh, I'm smiling here because I'm pondering if you end up in the postseason who are your first three starters? Well, I think the first two are apparent. I think Manoa, Manoa is one, if you Gossman, can do it. two. And Strip. Stripling. Right now, yeah. Yeah. He's been a lot better than Jose Barrios. So, so what do they do with Ross Stripling, who is a free agent at the end of this year? About halfway through the year, we chuckled and said, maybe they give him a qualifying offer. Like, 
this is now a legitimate uh, situation where we could see Ross Stripling and a qualifying offer. Yeah, I mean, much like Stephen Matz last year, we can at least have that conversation. And Stripling has put himself in a great spot. He's been so good for this team. Obviously, we saw it last night. We've seen it all year, the consistency, the change-up. He's legitimately good, and he will get paid for that. The Jays will need starting pitching. That's arguably going to be their biggest off-season need. So Stripling, when he does hit free agency, and I, I don't think the Jays will qualify him, but when he does hit free agency, the Jays will pursue him. They'll definitely have interest in bringing him back. But Stripling will have interest from elsewhere, right? Yeah, like he's, he's going I to be in I can feel demand. that big butt coming. Like, yeah, I was uh, walking from a mile away, the big butt. <laughs> but there's going right. to be plenty of interest. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. There will be. And so, you know, I, I think... You know, he's, he's put himself in an amazing position. But right now, if they needed a must-win game and Gosman and Manoa had just thrown, I think you go to Stripling over Barrios. Uh, we mentioned this a couple of times today, and, and I feel like an uh, understated kind of very classy move from Kevin Cash on this uh, Roberto Clemente day. He fields an all-Latin American lineup, and you look down from you know Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, and Mexico, and beyond. Uh, here's the skipper of the Rays, about what this day meant to him and his team. It's pretty cool. I, I didn't know that till uh, halfway through the game. Somebody mentioned to me, but it's very surprising at the same, uh, same point just because of the Latino community, the impact they've had on Major League Baseball for so many years, and extremely fitting to be on Roberto Clemente Day. So he didn't know. That's cool. <laughs> what? Steven, he didn't know. I'm giving him all the credit in the world. And he says he's shocked to have been fed, But he was the first. I get. I mean, listen. He had to know that he was starting. No. He had to know that he was starting an all-Latin lineup on Roberto Clemente Day, but didn't know that it was the first time ever. Right. Or maybe not. I mean, it's a talented group. Like, there were no. It's not like he was pushing someone undeserving into the lineup. Everything came up roses for the Rays today. <laughs> Always does. They win 11 nothing, and Kevin Cash doesn't even know, but he sets, uh, he sets history on Roberto Clemente Day. Uh, thank you for stopping by. I really appreciate you doing this. My pleasure. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith zoomed his way up from the Rogers Center to be on this show. Uh, we appreciate him. We appreciate Jamie and Joe, and we appreciate your feedback with Jesse Rubin. Mm-hmm. More Jays Talk is on the way as we go to 7.30 Eastern Time. That's right. A little bonus. Tim and friends as we take you to the Reds and the Cardinals. And speaking of Latin American players, Albert Pujols at 6.97. Plus, a look back at Roger Federer's amazing career as he officially calls it quits. And also coming up, it is NHL Media Days. Plural in Vegas. Earlier today, we caught up with the Sens captain, Brady Kachuk, to discuss the excitement in Ottawa. We'll bring you that next. Thanks, Benny. Run. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Jim McAuliffe. Friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here. This is an extended post-game edition of Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff here with you for another half an hour until 7.30 Eastern when the Reds and Cards take over on Sportsnet. We'll talk 
Albert Pujols, 697 in last call as we get you set. Plus a great Thursday nighter in oh, the NFL. You're looking at that one? Yeah, right. I'm looking at that one. Also, we talked to Brady Kachuk at NHL Media Day today. That conversation coming up in mere moments from now. So I know we tweeted it out early, and there are a lot of Sens fans looking forward to that. We got it for you in a couple seconds. But first, let's reset the Jays story after they finished up their series with the Rays this afternoon. Here's how it went down at the Dome. Tampa Bay making a little MLB history that Kevin Cash did not know about. Roberto Clemente Day. And the first time an entire starting lineup has been composed of all Latin Americans. Surprising. Meanwhile, Bobachette among the players wearing 21 as he was recognized as the Jays' nominee for the Clemente Award. Good look for Bo. And this was a good look for Bo early as well. Manuel Margot in the second inning. This is range, strength, and dexterity from your boy, Bo Bichette. Son of a Bichette, that's a good play. However, three batters later, Kevin Gossman gets into it. Two on, Rene Pinto cashes a run. Jays down 1-0. Not done there. Two batters later, Yandy Diaz shows up with his favorite Muppet. That's got Three-run shot caps off a four-run frame. Raise up 4-0. Stayed that way. Bottom of the six. Jays trying to get something going. All right. Two on, one out. Teoscar Hernandez. She's swinging out. Next batter, Kevin Biggio. Quote a great man, chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself. He can't. It ends the inning. Top seven, Isak Paredes at the plate, and Isak's his 19th of the year. On a roll here. Seven home runs allowed in his last four starts for Kevin Gossman. He allowed seven in his first 24 starts as a J. Not great. Five earned runs, seven innings. Not great for Vladdy either. Felt like a frustrating day because it was. A frustrating day. Jays go down 11-0. Your final is Kevin Gossman on his performance in this game. You know, unfortunately, that's kind of been the tale of my last two starts. You know, um, pitching pretty well, but, you know, too many mistakes and um, mistakes magnified with guys on base. And so, um, you know, to, to give them four in the second, um, obviously in a huge, you know, game to attend the series um you know unacceptable on my part speaking of unacceptable jesse mm. hunter gaddis to start in the white Sox and the guardians for cleveland man on gavin sheets into the seats two nothing white Sox. next batter andrew vaughn oh Uh-oh. he takes gaddis deep as well back to back three nothing pale host next inning yohan mancada oh Oh, that is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. That's a deep part of the park. That's 420 feet. 420? 4-1. Top four, Yasmani Grandel. Oh, my God, this one's out as well. And they're not done. Poor Hunter Gaddis. What's going on here? Last one to deep left center field, and that is going to find its way into the bleachers. Another home run at Chicago. It's home run derby today. I don't know if that one went 420, but Hunter Gaddis got smoked. First Cleveland pitcher to give up five homers in a game since 1969. Nice. At least for Chicago. 8-2 is the final. So the updated wild card standings look like this. 
Jays now a half game up on the Rays while they are tied with the Mariners once again. Mariners day off today. Jays have a five-game lead on the Orioles. Guess what? They come to town for a three-game set or come to town for a three-game set starting tomorrow. The great Roger Federer has announced his retirement from tennis. That's right, kids. The 20-time Grand Slam winner will play in his Labor Cup next week before calling it quits. He said he's done with the tour and majors. The 41-year-old has been dealing with knee injuries for the past few years and will step away ranked third all-time in men's majors behind his longtime rival, Rafael Nadal, while Novak Djokovic has 21. We'll look back at his career with the Rashman Dead a little later on. We know what he brings to the table night in and night out. He drags his team into a battle. It's the He's leading the way and he has been their fearless leader. Brady's a man-child. He's a big man that's strong on pucks. He's mean. Get in your face. He's not going to take any prisoners whatsoever. He's like a throwback hockey player. Similar to his dad, Keith. Kachuk makes a move. Scores! Yeah, I love the Frank Kachuk celebration. The captain, Brady Kachuk. NHL Media Day continues with the captain of one of the most talked about teams in the show and one of the most talked about families in the show. Captain of the Sens, Brady Kachuk. Brady, thanks for taking the time for here, uh, here on Tim and Friends. We appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. I know most folks know Pops, Keith, of course. Most folks know your brother. But the sister, Taryn, like dominating field hockey in the state of Missouri, for those who don't know, three-time state champ, led the states in goals and assists, now at Virginia. Be honest here. Who's the best athlete in the family? I've always said it. She is. She's, uh, <laughs> she started playing, too, in like the eighth grade. So for her to have that success, I was pretty impressed and always love going to those games nice i love i love to hear you go that way you know you guys did some videos for sports that during that awful isolation time uh wake surfing one-on-one basketball can jam which i had never heard of but totally need to get a couple of buckets for my family a home run derby kind of uh, <laughs> did you have fun doing that and what's the one challenge that you guys thought of after and said damn we should have done that that was that was honestly you know a blast to play all those other sports that we haven't played in a while so we enjoyed it and honestly like we could have done I'm, I'm trying to think of like other games we could have even accomplished probably like bowling or something but nothing was open so I couldn't even get access to that so um, honestly just tried covering the basics and maybe some soccer skills I know I'm not very good at soccer and, and I don't know how Matthew is so that could have been pretty interesting too all right so let me ask you, we, we saw the sibling rivalry and even the, the parental kids rivalry. What's it going to be like to have your brother in the division? Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. There's going to be some games that um, aren't going to be fun for, especially my mom. She's going to be probably too stressed for it. And maybe down the road, a couple of playoff uh, series. And um, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, but it's definitely going to be uh, a lot different. Listen, I was, I was searching through a little tape to do this interview, and I saw that you tangled with your brother in front of the net. You know, you kind of dumped him on the backside. And uh, he swung his stick back towards you. I don't know if you remember this, but I believe he may have got you in the Kachucks. Do you remember this play at all? Oh, yeah, I remember. I was right when it happened, and, he, and he, the stick came. I was, I was almost speechless. I'm like, what, what just happened? Because, like, 
I'm very lucky and happy that it didn't hurt, but I was kind of just shocked that, that it happened. I know I looked uh, uh, Josh Norris is right next to me, and we kind of like just both like did a double take, like did that really just happen? So uh, I was almost like, Josh, get, get after him. No, but uh, it was good. It was, it was funny. We were laughing about it after the game. Yeah, I was saying, I actually talked to Quinn Hughes, too, and I said, uh, you know, I'm the youngest of four boys. The only thing I got out of it is how to take a punch. So I understand the sibling rivalry a little bit and understand it'll be fun watching you guys in the same division. I know you had some fun watching your brother in the playoffs last year. Did you take anything away from seeing their run up close and personal? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, not being able to see Matthew and how he prepared and, and handled himself, uh, especially during the uh, the chaos there. And but yeah, no, just being there watching it. it that was uh, you know my motivation for the summer is uh, you know want to experience that, want to have you know the city of Ottawa buzzing like that, and the rank uh, almost so loud you can't hear anything on the bench. So that definitely uh, gave me motivation going into the season. And and uh, now I'm excited for what's to come this year. All right, so let's squeeze a couple of Sens questions in here as quickly as we can. A couple days ago, uh, we were talking about the offseason, and both Jesse and I in the studio here suggested that the Sens may have won the offseason. I know a lot of the boys have been in Ottawa for the last little while. Does it feel like you guys have an excitement building there? Yeah, no, there's definitely 100% a different energy that I've never you know, experienced going into this season, and um, I know for me, I could talk on behalf of a lot of guys. I think this is the most excited we've been going into a season. So um, it's it's been awesome. You know, our skates have gotten pretty competitive. Guys are already pissed off when they lose. So it's uh, it's, it's going to be exciting for us this year. And um, almost just want to turn the clocks up and, and get to right into the season that we're ready to go. And um, we're just really excited to to get back playing in front of our fans again and, and have uh, a fun, exciting year. So how do you make sure that that translates, that excitement, that energy translates into the actual season? Uh, just pushing each other right from day one of camp, just um, giving nothing but our all. And, and uh, you know, that's, that forces you know, teammates to um, you know, get to that level as well. So I think everybody's ready for that challenge to push themselves and, and uh, get better each and every day. So right when the, uh, that first game hits that we're, uh, we're ready to go, we're, we're you know, in shape ready and, and ready just to get to play our game right away. Understood. So we, we talked to Timmy Stutzla after he signed his long-term deal, and he talked about wanting to commit long-term after seeing other guys do the same, like yourself. Uh, he was doing the interview after getting fitted for clubs with Josh Norris from Thomas Shabbat's house. Like, it sounded like you guys have a, a pretty close-knit crew. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, absolutely. Th- that first week was uh, pretty busy. We had you know, fantasy football draft. The whole oh, team nice. was... Uh, was there for that? So yeah, we uh, a couple golf matches that you know the whole team's been involved. So yeah, this is the closest group already that I've been on, and um, it's pretty pretty awesome guys that uh, love being with one another. So uh, that's what's going to make uh, our team so special, and, and that's what's made our team so special in the past. Is you now whether it's you know, at the rink, away from the rink, on the road, at home, guys are usually always hanging with one another. So um, it's always fun to be a part of. So you're happy with your fantasy football draft, or what? Yeah, big win week one, so they can keep hopefully keep rolling here. So uh, yeah, I'm always confident with the team. <laughs> nice. Uh, one last one. I know that you guys got to call in Timmy Jimmy, and it may have been your call. Now that he's got the long-term deal, now he's got a little cash, now he's been taking care of a couple meals, does Timmy get his name back? 
Yeah, it's, it all depends on the day. It's either Jimmy, James, Timmy, Tim, just kind of just, it's all feel. It's all feel right. when you see him. It, it's uh, just got to go with whatever name comes to mind. But, yeah, no, he deserves everything he got. He's an unreal guy and unreal player, so I'm so happy for him. Nice. As a Tim, uh, I got that, Jimmy. I even got Jimothy every once in a while. So if you want to add that to the mix, maybe a Jimothy for Timmy's uh, like loot. <laughs> My aunt still calls me Jimmy, so I'm kind of sensitive to it. I know Media Day can feel like a bit of a human car wash, but we appreciate you doing this. And uh, next time the Kachuk family has a home run derby, I want in, okay? Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks for having me again. Anytime. There is Brady Kachuk of the Ottawa Senators from Media Day. And by the way, uh, Quinn Hughes also talked to him. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get that to you very soon. We've got a bit of a shortened show, so we can't fit that in today. But Canucks fans, stay tuned. We'll have that. Also talking to Mark Shifley and Austin Matthews over the next couple of days here. On Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. Not bad at all. But it, it seems like, and, and I don't know what the step will be for the Ottawa Senators this year, it seems like not only does the trajectory point the right way, mm -hmm. but that that group feels like they're trending in the right direction. Thus, you see long-term deal, Kachuk, Josh Norris, Stutzla, Shabbat's signed longer term, like, Feels like a good group. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, because he's in Vegas or, you know, he's still a young man or whatever. He's having a good time in Vegas. He seemed very excited, genuinely excited about the prospects mm -hmm. of that up, the upcoming season. And more so than any time he said he's been with his teammates since he's been in Ottawa. And with good reason, too, because for the first time in a very long time, mm -hmm. there is optimism there. And we haven't seen that in a very, very long time. No, and... and it makes, listen, we're a little biased because we live in Canada, yeah. but it makes, when the Battle of Ontario is relevant, it's better. When the teams in Canada are relevant, it's better. And while Montreal might struggle this year in their rebuild, mm -hmm. I feel like Ottawa is going to climb back into that mix where it's no longer the gimme. Yeah, because we, we were lacking the Battle of Alberta there for a number of years, yeah, too. Yeah, we got that back. And that's back. And yeah. now if the Battle of Alberta comes back, yeah. it's good See if those Canadian pesky hockey. sends turn into legit, yep. real deal, no layup anymore sends. Uh, and that dude will have a big part of it. Either way, time for a break. We'll talk Roger Federer, then last call, before we send you to the Reds and Cardinals, Albert Pujols, 697. <laughs> Can you get to 700? Stay tuned. Still to come on, Tim and Friends, we'll get you set for Cards and Reds, Albert Pujols, and uh, a pretty good Thursday nighter. But less than two weeks after the tennis world said goodbye to Serena Williams, Roger Federer announced his retirement today. The 41-year-old will play his final event next week as a part of Team Europe at the Labor Cup. Now, Federer, of course, ranks third all-time, 20 Grand Slam singles titles, and he helped usher in the golden age of men's tennis alongside Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic, our resident tennis expert, Mr. Ashbadani takes a look back at Federer's remarkable career. The man that needs no introduction, Roger Federer. It felt like he was part of the furniture. Late nights at the U.S. Open, a fixture at the All England Club. Think of a moment that mattered, and there was Roger Federer. Along the way, rewriting the book on a game he'd been the face of for the past quarter century. And tennis is so evolved, yet Roger was Roger 
never really a serving ball. Not known for a power game or booming shots, Federer would just wipe away the hair and flick that one-handed backhand and threw the arrows and the opponents that came and went. RF became the world's most identifiable and beloved tennis figure. He is by far the man of the people. Think about it. Where would Roger Federer ever have a road game? Nowhere in the world that fans openly root against him. Fed was the featured attraction everywhere. And it wasn't just slams or the tour. That match for Africa and Cape Town a couple of years back, an exhibition, it drew more than 51,000 fans to the stadium, the most to ever watch a live tennis match between Federer and Nadal. Well, here we go. This is what we want. This is what they paid for. Ah, yes, Roger and Rafa, as great a rivalry as sport has ever had. Ali Frazier, Brazil, Argentina, Bird versus Magic, Nicholas and Palmer, Canada, USA, Olympic women's hockey, and Federer and Nadal right there in the conversation. 40 times they met, almost exclusively in semis and finals. Each occasion, appointment TV. In this sequel, they delivered its best drama right at the end. Their first encounter goes back nearly 20 years. To this day, their 2008 duel to wrap the Wimbledon fortnight, it's regarded as the greatest match ever played. It took Rafa somehow not being in the French Open final the next year for Fed to complete his career slam. And then 2017, Roger returning from the first of the four knee surgeries, and that five-set marathon remains one of the most epic Australian Open finals ever staged. The remarkable Roger Federer, a victory has never been sweeter than this one, right here, right now. Federer and Nadal, magic. We're like fire and ice, and we're just like lefty-righty. It's just everything's different, it seems like, yet probably in some ways we're similar. A lot of them have been uh, hard-fought and epic. I hope that people look back and think that was, that was a cool rivalry. It was because when those two got together, it felt like they left everything out. Happened against Federer's next rival, too. And it was on the cusp of winning his 21st major that the unraveling of Fed's career began. Federer was clearly struggling with the tension. You don't normally see that with Federer at all. He blew two championship points in his own cathedral and would never return to the final of a major again. Which leaves the conversation for the GOAT wide open. Federer's 20 slams aren't the most anymore. But what's not debatable, his impact on the sport. Roger Federer was men's tennis, the sport's biggest global brand. I've seen a lot of things in 40 years, and I've never seen anyone like this guy. <laughs> Saying farewell felt a long way off in the summer of 2017 when he sat down for this interview in Montreal and explained his thoughts on the end. I feel like uh, I squeezed that lemon out. I feel like I probably did, you know. Uh, I hung around the tour for long enough already that for years I've been ready to, you know, to, to walk away at peace. I think when that moment comes I'm actually going to be quite happy, I think. 
the moment is here. The run from teenage phenom to 40-something legend is complete. We've watched him go from the racket-throwing teenager to the slick Swiss icon. Father of four, comfortable in his own skin, lemon squeezed, now at peace. Nice, Raj, you had a great job. Mm -hmm. um, camera person Sebastian Morin brought up a great point, and that was, it sounds like, why are you laughing? Did I say it right or wrong? Okay, all right. I just want to be, be respectful to your parents, okay? That's what I'm doing here. Um, so, Sebastian Morin, or Sebi Morin, uh, <laughs> nice. he, uh, he, he brought up a great point, and that is, Roger had to know this was happening. Roger made this announcement after Serena got all of her flowers at the U.S. Like, classy. If there's one thing that Roger Federer has been throughout, and that's been classy, and and... The timing of this, to me, jumps out as another piece of class from Roger Federer. Yeah, I mean, I know he's been battling some pretty significant knee injuries over the last number of years, and you just wonder if he, he thought maybe he could give it one more go, whether it was Grand Slams next season right. or not. But I guess I guess he couldn't, and to your point, I mean, Sebi, I think that's bang on. I mean, this guy, you said it to me, class, poise, grace, any word elegant word that you want to use that's Roger Federer and speaking of class the tweet from Rafael Nadal today too, Ex exactly also class. so is is Roger the goat um that's so hard uh as of right this second I would say yes by the time it's said and done yeah, it's incorrect why because he's got a losing record to Nadal and Djokovic and Nadal has more grand slams and Djokovic has more grand slams I get that I get that it just feels like from a a persona perspective for so many years, Roger Federer was yeah, men's he, tennis. I mean, they both, they all three of them were evidently, but he was, he felt like the leader agreed. above all of that. Understood. Remarkably classy, as I mentioned. Not the GOAT. Yeah. He had some, some pretty, pretty significant moments. You're doing this recency bias thing, and I, I understand it. It's fine. And I appreciate it. I get it. It's fine. I get it. We want to fed him. It's hard when you way. like no, yes. you It's hard him. when yeah. you like athletes. Yeah. It makes and, it much more difficult to And you to want to fed him on your way out. And yeah. I remember Carolyn Cameron, this was always her guy. She influenced me, too. We would have yeah. the conversation, and slowly but surely, <laughs> she came to the realization that he wasn't yeah. the GOAT. But still, being in the top three all time is pretty damn Not good. Bad. And holding... Uh, what, 237 consecutive weeks ranked number yep. one. That's best that all time. Best all time. I told you the craziest stat. Maybe yeah. one of the craziest stats I've ever heard today earlier. Zero retirements in his career. He never retired from never a match? Never retired from a match in his in career. In his career. In his career, correct. Do you have any clue how many matches he played yes, in his I career? Yes, I actually do. I have it right in front of me. I, I love you, Jesse. Okay, hold on. Uh, after 24 years in the ATP Tour, yeah, he... Okay, so he... The tweet is, he may retire from the tour next weekend, but Federer never retired from a match in his career. 1,526 hey, matches in singles, 223 matches in doubles, no. and zero retirements in 24 years on the ATP Tour. Hard to believe. 
Now the question is who's go? No, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, right. We'll be here for hours and hours and hours. Uh, okay, so uh, week two in the National Football League kick, kicks off with an what AFC West showdown between the Chargers and Chiefs. Whoop. On Thursday Night Football, Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen is expected to miss the game due to a hamstring injury, while the Chiefs will be without kicker Harrison Bucker, who toughed it out last week but can't go this week. Kansas Ooh, City is a four-point favorite. Who would a win mean more for tonight, the Chargers or the Chiefs? I guess the answer is the Chargers, right? The Chiefs have already been there, done that. I know they had um, their talent questioned a little bit by Tyreek Hill and what he said, but the Chargers haven't been there, haven't been to the top, haven't climbed the summit, and this would be a major step along the way for Justin Herbert. I will say this, Patty Mahomes, remember him running for his life in the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. Uh, Khalil Mack in his first game with the Chargers. Three sacks and a forced fumble last week. Joey Bosa had one and a half sacks and a forced fumble in week one. Those two, if they stay healthy, could cause havoc in the AFC. Mack attack is back. Just picked him up in my uh, IDP fantasy football league. Yeah, I like that. Looking for big things tonight. All right. uh, okay, let's go to the WNBA. Game three of the WNBA Finals goes tonight in Connecticut. You can it's see it Sportsnet. on Sportsnet yeah. 360 at 9 p.m. Eastern time. The Las Vegas Aces will be looking to sweep the best of five series after winning the first two games at home. What has been the most eye-opening part of the Aces 2-0 start to this series? Uh, Asia Wilson. Listen, Kelsey and Chelsea might be the funnest backcourt to one say and two watch. But Asia Wilson has become, um, she's made, she made two MVPs, okay? She, she may have cemented her spot as one of the greatest players of all time in basketball. Three-time consensus All-American at South Carolina. Won an NCAA title at South Carolina with Don Staley. This, this is a woman who... Uh, is an all-defensive player, not only an all-defensive player, but the defensive MVP this year. Mm -hmm. Like, she has just ascended to a new level, a level that a lot of people thought and saw that with her talent could get there. But add a title to this, and uh, that's probably the biggest part, then Becky Hammond going back to the NBA. Crazy. If Becky Hammond wins a title in her first year in Las Vegas, I know it's a pretty stacked team, and I know a lot of people thought they were going to win if you started the playoffs. Um, in round one and asked who would win the title, you probably would have said Las Vegas. But it's hard to deny her talent. Becky Hammond? Yes. Yeah. Well, both of them, but both yes, them. Becky Hammond specifically in yeah. this case. Uh, okay. Part of me hopes that she sticks around in the WNBA just to kick ass, take some names. and then, out a legacy. Yeah, and almost like make the NBA wait yeah. because they wouldn't give her the shot initially. Yeah, see what happens. Um, the Reds and Cardinals are coming up next on Sportsnet. Next! Last night, the Cards extended their lead in the National League Central with a 4-1 win over the Brewers on a historic night for Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Wainwright and Molina started together for the 325th time, the most ever by a major league battery, breaking the record that has stood since 1975. Will this record ever be broken again? Adam Wainwright said no. I go along with Adam Wainwright. If you figure out the math, you get maybe lucky to get 30 starts a year that means you have to have a catcher and pitcher both play what like 12 years on the same team Mm -hmm. just to come close did the math it's about an average of 19 starts between wainwright 
and Molina. Right. So you're not going to get 30 with catcher and pitcher, right? Like, yeah. That'll never happen. No, and, I don't think it'll be both. No. And speaking of making history, Albert Pujols will DH in bat fifth tonight for the Cards as he continues his pursuit of 700 career home runs. Pujols needs three home runs over the final 19 games of the season to become the fourth player in Major League history to reach 700. Will he do it? If he doesn't, it would be absolutely hard. <laughs> I, I think he'll do it. You saw the odds. He's got to be able to do it. All right, that does it for us. Thanks for riding with us, as always. Uh, here's what the homies have for you tonight on the Sportsnet family of channels. A's and Astros already underway on Sportsnet. Now, as mentioned, Pujols and the Cards are on Sportsnet. 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 on the West Side. Game 3, WNBA Finals. As the Aces look to close it out and hand Becky Hammond a championship in her first year as a head coach in the WNBA. As for us, we will be back tomorrow. Pujols and the Cards continue their march towards the NL Central crown and number 700 right now on Sportsnet.